this is Dorothy, and I'm back on the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Ninja Outback, and you are listening to episode 156 of the CBNU podcast. Yes, that is correct. You heard that right. Dorothy is back on the podcast again. She was my second guest on the podcast almost three years ago. Okay, well, it was almost three years ago at the time we were recording, but it is three years ago now, plus about maybe five days, I think. So yeah, she is back on the podcast. I had been talking to her for a while because I wanted to get her back on And one of my goals for 2024 and moving forward is to have some previous guests on the podcast. Not that I'm not going to have new guests. Of course, that's going to happen. But I've had some guests that were on so long ago. I want to see what's been going on the past two plus years. So that is one of the plans moving forward. As many of you know, Based on what I have told on the podcast and what you've seen on Instagram, I attended 48 Hours of Tri-State last week. I flew out there on Wednesday and spent Wednesday evening through Saturday morning on that trip. So I recorded a lot of content with, well, I guess a lot of time. And so there's going to be a lot of time that I'm going to have to edit through all of the content. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a part one and a part two for my for 48 hours of Tri-State, basically. The first part is going to be me talking about my experience at 48 hours of Tri-State and what my view of it of the whole experience was what I witnessed, the things that I got to see, the people I got to meet, and those sorts of things. And then part two is going to be the content that I recorded with other people and at some of the events. So that's how I'm going to break it down. Then I don't I don't know exactly when I'm going to put it all out because, I mean, it is going to be within the next few weeks, but there's going to be a lot of time that I have to sort through and edit. For example, I rode with three different people during the trip from New Jersey, from SOA down to SIA, and I I was trying to get in with more people, but not everybody had a passenger seat open, so I was riding with the people that had passenger seats open, and I, uh, so there were conversations that were relevant to 48 Hours of Tri-State, and then there was just kind of general conversation because... Uh, the little microphones that I have, you can clip them onto the seatbelt, and that's what we did. So some of the conversation was relevant, and some of it was just general conversation that's not necessarily relevant to 48 Hours of Tri-State. So there's going to be a lot of time and content and uh, audio clips that I'm going to have to sort through and edit to get a, an episode that's not like 50 hours long. So just bear with me as I go through and sort through all of that content. And I'm going to do the best that I can to get it done as quickly as I can, of course. But aside from that, the show must go on and I will continue to have regular guests. So again, this is Dorothy that's going to be on this episode. And of course, I'm going to have new guests because I still have a pretty good list of people that I need to get on the podcast. 
But one thing that was really, really super cool on this trip is I got to meet up again with this very special person. The Subi and You podcast is brought to you by Eccentric Designs. For those of you who don't know, Eccentric Designs is a small, community-driven business that offers custom-fit vinyl overlays for most Subaru models. This includes various designs for the rear reflectors, taillights, and side taillights. I also offer fun decal designs like the popular fender stripes and stickers. To find designs for your Subi, head on over to eccentricdesigns.com. There's always more projects in the works, so be sure to follow at eccentric.designs on Instagram. It was so great getting to meet up with Jen and see her again. The last time that I saw her was at Subaru Flat Fest in Madison, Wisconsin in 2022. So it had been a while. It was uh, so it was nice to see her again and catch up and have some breakfast and just hang out for a little bit. And she got to meet Jeff, who goes by Slow Subies. And a uh, huge, huge shout out to Jeff for being so accommodating on the trip to 48 Hours of Tri-State. But I'll talk more about that on part one of 48 Hours of Tri-State. This episode is brought to you by SubaruGear.com. We all know that Subaru loves pets, so you will not want to miss out on Subaru Gear's line of pet collars, leashes, and incredible pet toys. They only use the best materials to make sure your furry friends are comfortable and safe. Feel good about spoiling your four-legged friend while supporting Subaru Loves Pets, helping shelters and shelter animals all over the country. So shop pet gear from the official Subaru Gear Store and find premium products for your pet as well as items that contribute to animals in need. Use the code SUBIANDU24 for 20% off your purchase. If your purchase total is over $50 after the discount, you automatically get free shipping. Thank you so much, Subaru Gear, for sponsoring the Subi and You podcast. I also wanted to state, be sure to check Instagram and also check the website because they have started to announce the dates for the Subi Fest events. So I've seen that Boxer Fest has been announced and some other dates have been announced as well. I don't remember which ones, but I literally just looked at Instagram right now and I saw that Boxer Fest was announced. So check Instagram, check the Subi Fest website and start looking for those dates and start ordering those tickets now because you do not want to miss these events. Again, if you have not attended a SubiFest event, I highly recommend that you give it a shot and go out to one of these great events. Meet up with some people that you've probably connected with online and see some incredible builds and also a lot of great vendors and just an overall great event. So keep an eye out for all of those dates. This episode is also brought to you by Melee Design Firm, where they believe that making the best performance parts from the highest quality materials is the only way to operate. And now for select rally spec products, such as the Group 35 rally spec battery mount for the Crosstrek and other Subaru products, such as the front strut tower brace and engine bay caps, you can get 5% off by using the code SUBI plus you at checkout. So that's the little plus symbol is what you will use. So head on over to MeleeDesignFirm.com and check out the Rally Spec and Subaru sections of the website. Thank you so much, Melee Design Firm, for sponsoring the Subi and You podcast. Okay, one last thing before we get into this episode. I was looking at Apple Podcasts 
And the podcast has 5.0 out of 5 stars. So I really appreciate all of the love for the podcast in Apple Podcast Reviews and the ratings. So again, if you listen to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, please go rate and write a review and I will re- I will read your review on an episode. So far, we are at 94 ratings. So let's get that to 100. If you listen, please go rate and write a review. But for now, we will get into this episode with Dorothy Ninja Outback and hear all about her new Outback. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, Dorothy. It's great to have you on again. Yeah, thanks. It's so good to see you. So good to talk to you again, Raph. Yeah. I know the last time was briefly when we did the little Zoom call with you and Carrie when y'all were doing the Rebel Rally. So that was really cool. It's nice to see you as her co-driver. And I know a great experience for both of y'all, especially for you doing that for the first time. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Like I said, I was uh, in a in a competitor mind state, so a little bit just of a breeze kind of right there at the end of the night, but super happy to uh, sit in with you and just give you a little insight about what we were doing there. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool to see that she's been doing that for as long as she has now. And I know I have some questions, we can get into that a little bit later, but I was I was looking at your first episode when we recorded we recorded on January 9th of 2021, and this is January 7th of 2024. So it was almost exactly three years ago that we recorded, which is kind of crazy. That That's definitely crazy. I mean, I remember when you first asked and when um, Jen told me that you were doing this, and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so cool to get on there. And it's crazy all that you've done in the last three years since we did that. So super happy to be back on. Yeah, same with you. I mean, that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to get you back on even before you switched to a different Outback because I want to, I want to, that's one of my goals for 2024 is to start getting some previous guests on. But when we recorded the first time, you had a 2016 Outback and now you have a 2023 Wilderness Outback. So what made you decide to move to a Wilderness? Yeah. So when I remember when Subaru launched their wilderness ads and just like kind of marketed that, I said, oh man, that would be really cool because I had been talking to everyone. And after owning my 2016 Outback, which was a 2.5, so the four cylinder, I like always wanted a turboed car. And it kind of came down to this one night where my friends and I were joking. And one of them was like, well, the only Outback that I would ever buy would be Dorothy's. And they kind of looked at me and were like, Dorothy, like, do you want to sell your car? And I was like, I mean, if the money's right, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do it. And then it kind of became a reality after that. Uh, like, we were both very serious. And I was like, really, I'm honestly, you know, if you want to jump on this, I have wanted a turboed car. And it would be a either WRX or the Outback Wilderness at the time. The Ascent was just not really for me. It's a little too big right now. But yeah, so that kind of became the reality. I loved the speed right off the lot. And the added lift from factory seemed to be beneficial in the beginning. But then again, I also have changed most parts on the car. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of it was kind of just like a fresh start. Like I was ready for something different. 
and it just came kind of right at the perfect time uh, and got to put in an order and had to wait about, I think, like three months or so from when I put the order in to actually receiving the car on the lot. So the person, your friend that was going to buy your 2016 Outback, did you say you have to wait until I get my car in or did they buy it and you kind of did something in the interim? Yeah. So it was actually kind of funny. That was like a big thing. He was so, he was like, okay, let's do it. And like literally the next day had sold his car. Um, So then he's like, wait, now I have no car. And I was (laughs) like, well, you know, I guess like you can, you can drive the Outback for now, just know that you're going to be buying it even if something goes wrong. And then actually um, Seattle Frontier on Instagram, previously known as uh, at Seattle Fozzie. Yeah. He has, was nice enough to lend me his truck while I was waiting for mine. And so I would keep him updated of like, Hey, my sales guy just told me it would be a couple more weeks. It's on the train here um, kind of thing. And it would just keep me updated on that. And so he actually, I had a car or I had a truck to drive while my car was being driven before I sold it. That's nice. So it kind of all just like, yeah, it kind of all just lined up perfectly. So is the truck his second car? Yeah, he has like a work truck that he gets to drive. Oh, that's good. And so he was just like, well, it just sits at my house. So if you want to take it, the gas mileage was terrible. The turning (laughs) radius was terrible. So I was like, I'm never going to own a Nissan Frontier Pro 4 by but I was very thankful to have like a way to get around and didn't have to like, yeah, you know, of course, wait for someone to come pick me up and all that kind of stuff. So and it's, it's yeah. nice having good friends like that, that will hook you up and, you know, take care of you. So that's like, it's oh, yeah. really nice no. to have that and very important. It's crucial. Yeah. I love that community, um, which is something we'll get into later, but yeah, no, it's definitely really, really nice to be able to have people you can call on. So how did it feel when you, when it arrived and you like sat in it for the first time and got to drive it? Oh, it was such a surreal moment. The guy, he called me, my sales guy called me, told me it was there, but they had to like clean it and do all the like, you know, finalized uh, prep from transport. And so he's like, it won't be ready for another day. And I remember I went there twice to go just stare at it on the (laughs) lot, just to be like, you know, you see your last name on the the little slip that says sold. Right. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had that. Right. But that's what you get. And so it's just like, it was like crazy to me that that was going to be my car. And I remember he was like, well, why don't you sit in it? Just, you know, you can't take it right now, but let's just go sit on it in, in it. So I turned it on, saw there was four miles on the, uh, odometer. Um, and I was just like, this is crazy. Like this is going to be my car. Um, and I never bought a new car. So this was also like a big moment. Because that's, I mean, buying your first brand new car. Yeah, that's a nice feeling. Is yeah, it's it's just a different feeling than you'll ever have again, right? Um, and so that's kind of what it was just all racing through my head, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool! All the tech was crazy. Um, the 2016 certainly didn't have that. So just all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I so when I bought my car because it was a manual, they had to get it from a different dealership outside of Houston. And he was like, oh, it's, you know, I found one. I'm going to go get it this day. Oh, I can't go get it this day. I'm going to have to go get it this next day. And then I'm like, I feel like he's just kind of jerking me around. Like, he's not really going to go get it. He's just telling me that. And I'm like, and I wasn't even getting excited about it because I'm like, I'm not going to get excited until I know that he's sitting in that car driving it back. 
And then even when they got it back, like he got it back late and I'm like, my car is here, but I can't go get it till tomorrow. You know, so I know that yep. feeling. Yep. It's a it's a tough feeling when they say, yeah, it's here, but and you're <laughs> yeah, like, OK, but... can we speed it up? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you said that you wanted a turbo car and you said it was either a WRX or, you know, the Wilderness Outback is turbo. With all of the off-roading that you have been doing, and I know you you love it, I, I mean, if you had gotten a WRX because it was turbo, I mean, was were you strongly leaning towards that? Because it seems like, you know, you've got this off-road community and passion and then, or did you have plans to do something with the WRX to take it off-road? Yeah, so it was definitely, like, I was like, I, oh, shoot, you know, I don't know what I want. Um, the The beginning plan before I was t- even talking about selling the 2016 Outback was that it was uh, paid off when I sold it. So I was just going to keep that one to be my off-road vehicle and then oh, kind okay. of get a WRX for a daily driver. So that was more of the plan, not necessarily like getting like rid of one or the other um, type thing. It'd be like, this could have fun on the street and stuff like that. And then also still have, I like, I need the bigger car. There's no way that my lifestyle when I go camping and stuff would be able to fit into a WRX. Yeah. So I knew that that wasn't going to be like the end all car. It would have just been like, have this and the 2016 Outback as well. But the whole conversation of, hey, would you ever want to sell your Outback came up and then that's kind of what changed your plans of keeping that and then getting a WRX, huh? Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, well, if someone's really willing to buy my car for the right price, then heck yeah, I'll totally go in and put a, you know, I didn't even have to put a deposit down. I just had to put it in an order and then no, it would just come. And so that's kind of like, I was like, okay, yeah, switching gears. And now I'm just going to get rid of that car and then get one that does both daily driving and off-roading as well. Yeah. So did you, I'm guessing you took it off-road while it was still stock? I, yeah, I was trying to look back at all my pictures. (laughs) I don't think I really actually, it didn't stay stock for long. So like if I did take it off-road, it was probably really light stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything like crazy, like, um, Tahuya or some of the off-road parks because it went in it was kind of crazy I had a lot of things in play when I ordered the car so I let companies know that I was getting it and that it was supposed to be scheduled for three to four months out from delivery and so I started talking to them then about it um to like prep them and be like hey can you send the parts out for this kind of thing so I think it went in for tint which I know most some people would say is not a modification, but it went in for tint like five days after I got it. So I didn't actually, and then it stayed there for like a week or so while it cured. And then they did, um, they also did the side sticker uh, on the, the side paneling. I don't know if you've seen that. It's got my like sponsors on the bottom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And then it also has like the trees and Mount Rainier on it uh, that runs like the full length of the car which is I knew was something that I did not want to do so I actually didn't have that car to like really really drive for like two weeks after I actually bought it it was kind of in the shop getting things done to it gotcha Um, yeah so yeah and then by then other companies had sent me things like suspension modifications and uh wheels and tires that kind of thing close to that point 
Okay. Yeah. So you, I mean, you were already gearing up and ready to go. Yeah. And it was kind of like um, a building point because of the previous build that I had done with the 2016 companies really like that. And they're like, okay, yeah, I can definitely see the, the goal or the inspiration for this new one is kind of what I told them. I was like, Hey, I had this one, but I'm getting this new one, but the inspiration for it, the new one is going to be like what the old one looked like kind of. And so that's how I kind of got some companies and partners on board. Cause they were like, yeah, we really like your old one. So I'm sure, you know, the new one will just be as good. Yeah. And did, better. did you keep everything on your old one as it was, or did you take anything off to use with the new one? Most of the things stayed on that car. Uh, I think what I, I took the winch and then two SS fives that are now currently in the lower grill of my car. But that was about it. Everything else, like the reason, you know, one of the reasons why my friend wanted to buy my Outback was because of all the cool things that it did have. So if I took off all those cool things that it did have, then the 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 purchase probably wouldn't have gone through because the reason why he liked it was because of how different it was and not that it looked like everyone else's mom's Outback. Of course, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So what all do you have on yours now? Like I said, I have tint, which is like 5% over everything. I have flat-out suspension, which was on my old car, but it's their new like wilderness GR40 style. So it has nice. reservoirs in the rear um, that help with cooling when doing like long portions of like fast moving. And then I have wheels and tires. So I have gear off-road Pangea 767s, which sadly are not sold anymore. Oh no. And then I have the Falcon AT3Ws. I used to have them in the 245 70s, 17s, but I started to hate that um, for whatever reason, even banging back the pinch welds and cutting the plastic, uh, nothing seemed to really get rid of the rub. So I went down to 245 65 17s, which is a pretty standard size for Outbacks to run on a lift. Then what else do I have? I have the Prinzi roof rack which is key for my iCamper rooftop tent that has a 12 SS3s linked together to form a light bar that is insanely bright. (laughs) Yeah. And then I have the, this ditch lights that are on my like mirror pod kind of things. Then I have some grill lights that are like the Raptor esque lights or, um, you know, the wide-bodied lights, I guess, is what people also call them, um, from her necklace, Grill Lights, which is a funny name, but it's the one that they went with. And then I have a winch waiting to get a bumper for it, but I have not found the perfect bumper quite yet. So those are kind of... Oh, and then, sorry, I have in the rear, which I don't do a great job of showing... Uh, I have the Goose Gear rear platform with an 11-inch drawer on the left side. And then the right side has the uh, fridge slide in it. So I have a Dometic CX35, I believe, fridge that sits on the right side when I go camping. And then I have the drawer that gets a lot of stuff stored in it um, from Goose Gear. Is Goose Gear, that's inside? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Goose Gear makes... 
um, just a ton of different, I believe, interior storage solutions Okay. Uh, for all different types of rigs, Jeeps, Toyotas, Tacomas, all those. They make Subarus and RAV4s, I believe is what they're currently in in the crossover market. So yeah, those are, I have primitive rim, uh, skid plates. Oh, yeah. You know, those those kind of basic things um, that you put on. And then I have a blow-off valve, which is kind of like the performance engine mod, I guess, if you want to say. And a blow-off valve essentially lets pressure out of the turbo system when it's boosting. And it makes a really fun sound. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so I like that. And then, yeah, just some like interior things like the Midland um, 575 uh, radio that allows communication in the city. We found it goes up to like five miles um, oh, within nice. the city of Seattle, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. Because most walkie talkies would not make it that far. And yeah, those are kind of my my main ones. Yeah, I like how you have the Diodynamics lights behind your lower grill. That looks really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, those are um, crazy. Oh, I guess, sorry, one other modification that it's really new, it's the freshest uh, modification that I have was Nameless Performance came out with the dual chamber axlebacks nice. uh, exhaust. So I'm currently running that, um, and it sounds wonderful. If you hate drone in your Subaru when you're on the freeway or just at low revs because Subaru loves to do the revving and then calming down. This one is by far the quietest exhaust in the cabin that I've ever had. Oh, that's good. And that was, yeah, that's me coming from when I tried to do a little custom three, six WRX axlebacks on a two, five, which sounded incredibly bad. (laughs) Uh, And then I waited on the wilderness for something like this. And it's essentially a perfect way uh, and combination just for stomping on it. It sounds great out the back, but you hear none of it in the cabin. And I love it. That's good. Yeah. It's nice to have a more quiet ride and it's going to jack up your music when you're trying to listen to music. Right. <laughs> or just like trying to have a conversation. Yeah. I find some of the muffler deletes are like deafening in the back seats when you're trying to have a conversation. So you just sit there kind of saying, uh-huh, yeah. And you have no clue what the people in the front are saying. Yeah. And with this one, it's totally not. So I definitely, that is one of my most recent mods, and I love it. Do you have other mods on your list that you still want to do? Yeah. It's always, for me, it's like a rolling project. I think, like, oh, some days I'm like, I'm going to build this out to be, like, the biggest beast and the baddest thing out there. And then other times I'm like, whoa, tone it back you still have to drive this on a daily basis and whether or not you (laughs) want to be paying gas prices that are up the wazoo might want to not do that. So I have one thing that I really would like to do, which would be getting my winch back on the car um, just for like recovery reasons and feeling more safe out there. If I was to get stuck so far, I have not seen the only one I've seen is the rally tech bumper that was the the full winch bumper and it replaces your crash bar with the two like D shackle rings that come out of where the uh, OEM tow hooks come out of oh, yeah. in the wilderness yeah. bumper. It looks really, really nice. The problem for me is I'm sponsored by primitive and I'm an ambassador for primitive. 
So I'm hoping that I can actually work with Primitive to maybe get something like that in the works and product develop that with them. That would be nice. We shall see. Yeah, right. It would be super, super nice. But the main idea for this one is it was suspension, wheels, tires, and then a rack Um, was mainly the goal for this one that I could like do everything that I did before and more if I wanted to, but still... I really wanted to keep this one kind of simple and fun. And that's definitely where I see myself right now is I'm doing all of those things without pouring. a. I write like it's a, it's a never ending thing. Like you could keep pouring money into it and changing all these things. But I found with my first build, I was kind of like where I'm at right now. And the second build is good for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks good and it's functional. It seems for what you're wanting to do. Right. And that's exactly why I'm like, Oh, is there a need for, you know, all these other things that I have on my old car, probably not. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's just seeing that last winch bumper on there. And then I have all the lights I need. You know, the clearance might be better if I could get some bumpers made up, but not pushing that anytime soon. Just because I don't see a, a, a complete need for it. It's more weight that I carry around on a daily basis. And yeah, you know, true. And a daily driver, that's not always something that you're looking for. No, it's a good point. How how was your the wilderness performed off road compared to the 2016 Outback? That's really funny that you should ask because uh, I would actually say I have no regrets in getting the Outback uh, Wilderness. The dual X mode definitely outdoes the old cars. Uh, single X mode that works only up to 25 miles an hour. But there are things that I've learned the wilderness can't stand up to the Gen 5 Outbacks. Like, so for instance, the full range of travel on my wilderness is actually considerably less than it was on my Gen 5. We tried, flat out suspension and I tried to put in stocks that would have fit on my old Gen 5 in that range of motion. And the uh, control arms are something that are stopping me from being able to add those to my Outback Wilderness. So my friends and I were trying to discuss if that's something because of the one inch lift that you get from factory, maybe it's already shortened in some of the parts that you may not be able to see unless you tried to change something like what I was doing. But definitely that has been like a big barrier. Like my old car was lifted probably four inches over stock. Oh, and for, yeah, yeah. So like, but for whatever reason, my Outback Wilderness is only like two, which I know for most people is like a, you know, good medium, happy medium, right? Like you still want to be able to like not be super high uh, center of gravity, but also want to be able to get clearance and stuff like that. But definitely that was something that was super interesting that we found out um, when doing the suspension work. The departure angels on my angles on my stock wilderness were better out of the box. But like I said, my old car's overall clearance in height was higher in that so i'm like if you you know if you put one and two together i'm like is it really the same or like you know because i was lifted higher so i never hit anything now my bumper angles are better so i still don't hit anything but it's like i'm like ooh, yeah right like it's still good (laughs) yeah um but like i'm like okay i definitely had there were some other things that i could do in my old car like adding crazy long travel coilovers and stuff like that i would say though the wilderness continues to impress me in different aspects that I test it with. So I definitely say like the turbo and the lower range uh, 
gear ratio is definitely better. You get that low end torque a lot better in a wilderness. Um, so I find like hill climbs, I'm barely pressing. Oh, that's good. And I just kind of, I just kind of slowly climb up things. So I'd still definitely say it's a superior choice when comparing it to my 16, but I definitely still miss some of those aspects from my old car. Yeah, that's understandable. But I mean, it's, I mean, the wilderness is really, really nice. I mean, I, you know, I've looked at the Crosstrek wilderness and it's tempting, but I don't really go off-road that much here. And I would miss having a manual. Yeah, I know. I we, I actually just got to go on a trail with a Crosstrek wilderness. And that was actually the first one that I've seen, like, kind of in action, so to say. It was completely stock and the guy was super happy to be out. It was his first time and he was like, I'm kind of just here to see, like, all the things you can do to a Subaru, but it definitely is. It's different for sure. I would say Subaru did a good job in upping some of those things like uh, towing ratings. Oh yeah. That's huge. Right. And that stuff. But I also still say it is like a 3,500 pound car. So if you hook a 3,500 pound trailer in the wind, you may find yourself (laughs) right. Like, I'm like, okay, like, is that good or is that bad? Is it going to have people just doing silly things that they shouldn't be doing? Or, you know, will you have those people that are still like, okay, I can only do 1500 now kind of thing. But those cross-check, I mean, they definitely are cool. I don't love the look of them. I've always said that to all my friends. (laughs) I don't love the, I don't love the big Subaru on the back bumper. And I, and people would say, well, like Toyota does it. And I was like, Toyota puts the model of the car. They don't put Toyota on the back right underneath their Toyota badge. And people are like, oh, I never really thought about that. I'm like, yeah, it'll say like Tacoma or like it'll say Tundra, you know, in a big kind of thing. And so I thought it was interesting that Subaru decided to put Subaru instead of Crosstrek. Yeah, that would have been nice to have Crosstrek. Right. Like, yeah, just just put Crosstrek instead. But yeah, no. Definitely, definitely something in the manual too that they don't offer, which is kind of a bummer for manual drivers like you. Yeah, um, come on, man. you know, but right, <laughs> manual swap. <laughs> right, I was gonna say, yeah, you could just. I mean, hey, I, I'm sure might it be, be worth done. it if you really want it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how many miles do you have on your Outback now? Since you since I had four on it when you first bought it, I actually just rolled over uh, seventeen thousand okay. miles. Not bad, not bad. No, so it's not bad, I think. I was like, this year I honestly didn't have too many big trips. I went to Utah and Arizona. So it's really kind of just been daily driving. And then around here I'll drive like a little bit further to go hang out with friends and that kind of stuff. But the furthest that we've driven in that car is to Flagstaff to go to Overland Expo West, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think so. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I get confused. Mountain West and West. Yeah, I think it was West because Colorado. I think so too. But yeah, yeah. So, and like I said, yeah. And when did you officially get it? Like what day? Yeah. So I actually I checked. I got it in uh, Mar on March 9th was when I actually. So yeah, it's been about nine months then. March 9th? Yeah. It'll be like nine months and two days. I know. I know. Well, from the time we're recording this. That's yeah. Right. That's they're like, that's crazy. All you've done in nine months. And I was like, oh, I kind of want it to be 
Well, I, live I knew in what Washington. I wanted when I built it. <laughs> I live in a spot right. where I can do all these kinds of things. So, of course, I mean, because if I lived up there, I would definitely be getting out a be lot. Be out and about. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah no. People are like, oh, the mountains are uh, 10 minutes. I'm in the mountains or some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like an hour and a half to get to the mountains. I'm like, if I had mountains an hour and a half away, I'd be there every weekend. Every weekend. Yep. Yeah. The one thing for us is um, a lot of our trails get closed for a uh, snowmobile. Yeah. So I guess there was my friends told me they were actually ticketing folks the other weekend because their snow has been actually so few and far between this year. The lowland snow is just really not there. And so that means the mountains got a dump and then it kind of melted all back away but they still had the big barricades out there and so folks that were driving up and over berms were getting tickets on their way out or on their way Ooh, in yeah which kind of sucks because it's like well the trails are clear yeah you know, come on open it up somewhat right right exactly open it up we want to keep going out which is different than most years normally this time around it's like yep not even going to go try to go to those mountains they're closed but yeah, no, we, I love having the mountains, uh, as close as they are, or even the sea, the water yeah, um, is also super nice. pretty, all that kind of stuff. So where, what trips do you have planned for this outback and just in general? Yeah. So I was actually, as 2024 comes around, I actually am getting married to my fiance in August of this year. So we're kind of trying to save money, which is, you know, it's a good thing. But it also kind of stinks because there are trips that we've had to say, like, we're not going to be do do this one this year. And actually, a lot of this year is kind of not revolving so much around my car as it is just around my personal life and um, like flying places. But I do hope to do um, there was a fun thing that we did in over in Leavenworth, Washington, which is about uh, two hours away from us. And it's called uh, Northwest Overland Rallies. And it's more of an educational convention where you camp outside in like this big open field with a lot of other folks who are like-minded and then during the day they have classes that you can take or educational tutorials about certain things so that's one that I'm definitely set on going to other than that I don't really have any at least of right now big plans to go to like Overland Expo West again while it was super fun it also, like you said, to go to those different states and to drive, you have to take time off and all that kind of stuff. And so this year is kind of going to be a chill year, I think, in terms of long trip travel. May go to Montana, I'm sure, where one of my friends has like a, a really cool cabin out in the backcountry. And we like, it's like a long dirt road right by a uh, glacier. But other than that, not not too, too much unless something is really calling my name and and I really feel like I need to drive there Yeah, this year. So over the past three years, have you done anything, I mean, you know, including your previous Outback, but have you done anything like, like taking a lot more off-roading trips or gone more places than you did when we first talked? I mean, I'm guessing you probably have, but... Yeah, yeah, I think the 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 like kind of inaugural trip for the Outback Wilderness was when we went to Overland Expo West, a couple of friends and myself stopped in Utah on the way down to get to Arizona. And we went to a place called Sand Hollows State Park, which is known for like deep, large sandy hills. 
And it was fun to take the wilderness out there on those rocks and then also those sand. It was crazy to see the difference my car had versus some of their um, naturally aspirated cars, just about breathing and then torque and trying to get up those big hills with those, you know, big heavy tires and stuff like that. I've definitely traveled. Like, I don't think I would have taken my 2.5 there. There was no way I had to make it up any one of those hills. We didn't make it up the hill. I ended up stopping because they both bogged down and not stalled, but they got stuck on the hill. And I was like, well, shoot, I can't keep going because then I get stuck, you know, all the way up at the top. Y'all can't come get me. So (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, you know, (laughs) I'll stop. Um, But I was kind of like trailing behind them. And I was like, go, 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 keep going. And then they were both like, nope, not going to make it. And like peeled off. And I was like, okay. And I just passed them. Yeah, I've definitely been places more off-roading than when I first started. Also because I didn't know where to go. It was such a fresh thing for me. And when I started it too, I'll say, I mean, I started in the pandemic. So like kind of when the height of overlanding, off-roading was becoming a thing because that's all you could do. So I had to learn along with all the other people to try to figure out where to get out to. Now we have our like trails that we love to hit and are like, yeah, let's just go do this one. Let's go do this one. Yeah. There's, I mean, y'all have so much out there too. And it seems like that, you know, there's just like an abundance of places to go and see. And like you said, you have a trail that you go to a lot because if there's something that you're familiar with and it's fun, it's like, why not just keep going to that? Cause it can be the same trail over and over again. The point is just, getting out and getting off road and just having a good time. Well, and trails too always change. Like, um, you know, it might be the same trail, but a washout each season could be different or, you know, uh, it may look like, Oh, there was rocks here and big boulders here, but those have been moved uh, during the last season kind of thing. So it's always, it's always fun to go back out to those trails that you do love to consistently hit. Cause normally you'll find something that's, different or you didn't have to go through before or anything like that yeah yeah that's good do you think that you're gonna try to i mean i know it's a little more difficult because you don't have the articulation that you did with your 2016 but are you do you think you might try to push your outback wilderness a little bit more than you did the other one because of the lower gear rate ratio and then the double x mode And then are you going to continue to try to find ways to lift it higher? Because I know you said y'all were looking into that. I mean, are you wanting to push it harder than you did the other one? Or do you think you're just going to kind of continue on what you were doing with your 2016? Yeah, so I think at this point, from like where I am right now, it's been super fun to build it out. I wouldn't say I necessarily push myself more now than I did back then. I do really think my old 2.5 was super, super capable. We are looking at ways that we can potentially get more travel out of it. Maybe not per se um, lift because I understand a lot of Subarus are not meant for like rock crawling. So they don't necessarily always need clearance um, because even though the gear ratio is better, we still don't have like a four by four crawl mode type thing. So I won't usually be sending it over, you know, massive rocks at lower speeds. It's more, I still need a little bit of clearance, but I also need to be fast. I mean, Subarus are just the pickup on those usually is faster than like a traditional four by four. So I don't think that I'll get more height, but we are looking at ways to get more travel out of it when it is 
needing the articulation. So a couple of friends and I are discussing a possibility, possible ways that we could do that. Um, and one of those includes pushing the stance outwards instead oh, yeah. of upwards. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we've been talking about that a lot recently. So like just overall, you know, going back three years, like how has your outlook and mentality changed regarding off-roading in the past three years? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, what, three years ago, I was completely new. I didn't really know what off-roading was, but, you know, after doing more trails, I'm definitely more confident in doing ones that say like four by fours only or things like that because of the knowledge that I've gotten and the experience that I've gotten driving on some of those trails. I, I think that like, I want to keep pushing it Subarus and off-road or all-wheel drives, but I also, I am interested actually to see how Subaru plays out long-term in terms of like off-road, non-rally world. So like specifically just off-roading. So not saying, you know, the Travis Pastranas and of course Subarus, WRXs are like rally, rally bound. That's what they've been known for. Um, But I'm really looking at more of like how Subaru will do long-term in the off-road space because I think that space has been dominated so much by like big rigs. It's definitely interesting to see like Mazda coming out with their like CX thirties that are supposed to compete with, you know, an all wheel drive market for. Yeah. We'll see how they do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I know. (laughs) But I do, I really do. I think it's really interesting. And I think it'll be interesting with obviously Subaru is now turning to this wilderness family and they're really starting to push that, that I'm interested to see what they continue to bring out for that wilderness family and how they continue to evolutionize through the test of time. Because all-wheel drives, I think, definitely bursted onto the scene of off-roading. Um, not that they haven't been there before, but like now you see them more often, at least up here around me. You do, you're like, oh, do you off-road your Subaru? And they're like, oh yeah, we do, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's why I think my mentality has definitely changed is like, trying to see the future and like where that can go. Um, Cause obviously that plays into rugged recruit yeah, um, yeah. and like where I have to shift. If I have to shift that kind of stuff and like, where, where does that leave me? Cause if Subarus are no longer, you know, then I don't have a club. Right. So just looking at that really um, is interesting for me and following those trends. That was an interesting thing you brought up about what Subaru may potentially do and change and add and, modify with the next you know iterations of the wilderness because i didn't really think about that you know they've got the wilderness where they did some things where they were listening to the community seeing what the community was doing so they took some action to make some changes but it's like what will they continue to do yeah and then so you have quite a few build partners with your outback so how do you go about securing them as build partners and obviously like you were mentioning earlier, you had build partners with your 2016. So you were letting them know what was going on so that they could help you out with the, the with the wilderness. But what is it like? What does that mean to have a build partner? And, you know, what how does that partnership work and what do you get out of it? What do they get out of it? Yeah. So I think um, when I first came on to like, I'll say build partners was something I was like, well, like, how how do you even get those? You know, how do you get people to give you things and how do you, you know, how do you kind of 
navigate all of that stuff, right? Like how do you get a big company to look at you and say, yeah, you're worth our time. You're worth, you're worth our product, right? And so to me, having a build partner, it means a lot uh, because that company is willing to put their trust in you to represent them and their company and usually run their products. So it's really great to always have a company or a build partner who stands behind their product, but also stands behind you. Um, and I really think that's something that means a lot for build partners and, and what people should really look for within um, when they're looking for their to try to find their first build partner or just a build partner in general. I always say that when you have a build partner, it should be something that is a product that you were already going to put on your car. Absolutely. So like all of the products that I have had on my car and all of my build partners, I actually had already bought the previous product for my first car with my own money. And so I just learned that I actually really liked their product and I liked the quality behind it. And then I liked their customer service aspects that it was all, like I said, I would have spent that money anyways, whether or not they were going to become a build partner for me or not. So I think that's the most important thing because, you know, there are people out there that will just be like, send their pitch to everybody and anyone. But I really think it always means something to companies when if they don't get back to you in the first three weeks that you didn't already go buy or find another sponsor for the, for the product that they were offering in the first place. So, you know, typically within the partnership, I'm able to give like real life feedback to feedback about the products that I'm using for that company, whether it be like, Hey, I think this is great, but I think I would also switch this. And then they take that to their development, research development team, make those changes, um, and then make a better product for the market that you guys all see. And so I think that's kind of what we get out of it. And yes, like I said, you do get free product usually, um, because they want someone to test it out, but it is important to know that that's something that you'd want to run anyways on your car. And so, yeah, I just discuss a lot of the exposure that I can bring to them and the community that I believe in and why they would want it. And yeah, just mainly knowing that um, it's not me just saying, hey, I want a freebie for this, but it's a give and take yeah. when discussing everything. Because you have to expect that if you're asking for something to or a brand to partner with you not only is it something like you said that you would be using anyway to begin with but something that you're actually going to use and not just be like oh i want a, a light bar because it looks cool for somebody to just ask for something because they like the way it looks or something that's not really the way to go about it yeah and i always say build your car or rig how you would use it, which is why like I made the decision to stop running 31s because I didn't really need it. It looked cool. Um, and I had it on my old car, but I'm kind of at a point where like we're not in the pandemic anymore. So I don't have as much free time. And so more of my driving is done on a pavement than it is on a dirt road. Like I still get out for sure. Don't get me wrong. But like during the pandemic, you could literally I was out yeah. like every single weekend, every single day doing something off road. Whereas now it's like, okay, yeah, you're also driving to the city and you're in traffic 
on the freeway, you know, every day. So it was like finding that balance of like, oh man, this would look so sick on my car. But at the same point, okay, hey, you also got to think realistically, do you actually need that? Or do you just think it's cool because someone else has it? So yeah, it's just really understanding what you want and understanding your needs um, and where you actually take cars. I think really, really valuable information for folks to hear. As cool as cars might seem, it's like you also don't need to spend $15,000, you know, (laughs) to get the same mods that potentially I've done. True. If you're not going to even use the long travel articulation in, you know, a coilover series, like, you know, you could maybe just a puck lift is better. Uh, Top hats are better, that kind of thing. Yep. I know you said you were hoping to potentially work with Primitive Racing for a bumper, but are there any other brands that you would like to partner with in the future? Are there other products that you've had in mind that you know that you would use that you would like to partner with? Yeah. So like you said, I definitely want to continue my partnership with Primitive and try to get some type of uh, front winch bumper out for the newer gen Outbacks. Something that I'm also looking at, uh, and I'm kind of like, I'm not undecided because I do use a tire carrier, which actually recently just broke. So I have to get a new bolt for it would be the Dirtcom trail swings. Yeah. I really do like the look of those. While I was on the rally with Carrie, uh, I got to use that thing all the time because she has one on her car. And so just getting in and out of the back of it, right. I got to get really familiar over seven days and, you know, being in that car (laughs) literally all day long of how to do it and how to work. And I really like the mechanics of it. So that would definitely be a company that I would be interested in potentially partnering with because with the rooftop tent on, and then with the goose gear in the fridge in the back, I do not have a place for a full-size spare because of the way that the rear uh, plate goes from goose gear. It's a screw-in. So unless I wanted to put my spare in the well, the spare well, it does fit at zero PSI. But I would have to literally unscrew the um, goose gear platform and take <laughs> yeah, it that, out. That's which efficient. I find is just a little... <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, I'm a, I could be a little more efficient with my time if I just had like a a hitch, uh, swing out or something like that. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely something I'm looking into. Yeah. So you mentioned Carrie and I know you and Carrie had, uh, you know, I had y'all on to talk about the rebel rally. You were her navigator, but give us your overview of the whole event, like leading up to it during the event. And then afterwards, like just sort of a summary of the whole experience. Summary in one word would be epic, (laughs) but So yeah, Carrie and I actually probably had the shortest turnaround time for a team knowing that they were in. That's just how kind of the wait list worked out this year. So it was actually all a huge rush before we had to leave. We had like a month to prepare, a month and a half or so. And so... Well, how long do most teams typically prepare for these? So actually right now, the Rebel U courses, which is put on by the founder, Emily Miller herself, they're doing things in uh, January. So teams wow. can teams were able to sign up like maybe a couple weeks after the 2023 Rebel ended. Um, and there were teams that put their name in right away and like we're, are, we're ready to go. So teams are already gearing up now as we speak. And so... I would say like a late time frame for someone to be getting into the rally would be 
probably like June, late June is something because the rally is in early October. So you get a couple months there, like three months or so to prepare. But most teams are ready to go like the full year, nine months, nine months to a, a year. Yeah. So me being completely new to navigating <laughs> and y'all had a was month something that, right. I was like, Oh my stars, this is going to be tough. Like I was like, I'm down to do it. Cause I know that Carrie is such a compassionate person. And so like her forgiveness would be like through the, through the roof, right? Like she would never be like, Oh my gosh, you did this so wrong. But at the same time, I was like, I have barely looked at a map. Like I can get myself around the city because I've lived in the city for so long. But if you ask me the mileage to get from point A to point B, I would tell you, I have no clue. Right. Say so what? I was looking at like, <laughs> right. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know. So we literally, I drove, we drove around the city of Seattle. I had my little helmet on pretending we were on the rally and I was telling her like, okay, 0.3 kilometers, you're taking a right on, you know, this street or whatever. Right. So like, we did do one round of that in the city. And then the next time we were in the car together doing actual practice was the day before pre-tech inspection in Mammoth. Wow. And that was it. Like we literally had no time, um, partially because my job is the busiest in the summertime. I do like summer camps for kids. Or I work with youth and adults kind of year round in like a recreation program setting. So like summer is the busiest time for me. And when I do like overnight camps, I'm gone from like Tuesday to Friday with no break. So I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I have, when are we going to do here this here. Right. So it's like, okay, I, you know, that kind of thing. And so that it was all just kind of a whole rush and like sooner, sooner rather than later, I knew I was like, okay, we're packing the car and we're doing this. And Carrie worked really, really hard in the months, the month slash months, she's always fixing our car. It's always broken. Something's <laughs> yeah. always wrong. But she, you know, she did her darndest to get that car rally ready and as much as she could do. And so there were things that we did down there. Um, like there had to be a functioning horn. And so we had to hook her horn up and we did that like in the parking lot the day before pre-tech inspection. Was her horn not normally working? Yeah. The spring coil on it is, uh, it's a uh, doesn't doesn't work anymore, and it's like a it's like a four hundred dollar part. I think she told oh, me. And I was like, oh, yeah. girl, absolutely not. We're not paying that kind of money. <laughs> yeah. We're hooking this up to the switch, and you can press the switch when you want to horn it at someone. Um, and hey, we passed. We passed tech inspection, flying colors, and there's actually some really cool pictures of us just chilling. But yeah, so like I said, we got to practice a couple times, and it was all after that learning on the fly, learning from. Uh, a lot of the vets that were there who Carrie knows because she's done it for a couple years prior. Um, they were all so lovely to me and were like, definitely I'll help you out with anything you need. Just let me know, ask me anything. And so that's kind of where all my learning came from was those cold mornings and be like, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. And so, yeah, I would say nothing actually compares to when you do it, the real thing. Um, so during the event, we were just being super graceful to each other, her to me more so, um, because the navigation part is like, oh, you, we, we went to the wrong place. And I'd be like, my bad. So sorry. Oops. Uh, the, I mapped the, I did the coordinates wrong kind of thing. But, you know, during the event, like I said, it, the days were long, the long 10 talks we had, um, 
we all laughed. You know, it's something that I, those memories will never, ever, ever be gone. Your first rally, it's like so rewarding to cross the finish line. And so, and how did you know, how did y'all do overall? We finished seventh out of 10 in the um, X cross division. So, okay. Like I said, I think the only rookie rookie team above us was a Honda team and they, they beat us by just a little bit. And, and so that actually plays into that last day. We had a chance to help a team out and kind of just like bring that spirit. And so we decided they, they were like, Hey, we need a tow. Like our car is completely dead. It was a, a four by four by E a Jeep Wrangler. And they had run out of gas and they'd run out of electricity. And so they were literally going nowhere. And they were like, can anyone tow us? And we were like, you know what? Like, yes, we could go chase more checkpoints, but also this is the last day. Let's do something nice and let's do, let's do something good. So we ended up towing them across the finish, a Subaru towing a Jeep, who would imagine, (laughs) you know? And so, and that just kind of brought it all together. We were like, yes, this is our, our good deed. Like we could have kept going, but we just didn't feel right leaving someone out in the scorching hot weather in the imperial sand dunes it was like 114 degrees i think on the last day and so yeah i just kind of summed up our sportsmanship um and kindness that we always show to each other right like having that grace and being kind that when someone asked you like hey can you do this it was always willing to lend a hand and i think that's where carrie and i ended up so we didn't care about our placement we just wanted to make sure everyone knew that we would help if you needed it yeah. And sometimes there's those moments in life where you're just like called to do that. You know, it's like we just have to do the right thing here and getting more points and getting higher up in the, you know, placing is not as important as helping somebody out. Right. Or losing a friendship or you know, yeah, yeah, or something absolutely. like that. So that was the talk of the town uh, at the across the finish line was, oh, you guys are team 204. You guys pulled in the Jeep today. Yeah, we did. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Are you are y'all talking about potentially doing it again next year or this year? Well, that's this year now. Yeah, right. 2024 is already here. Yeah. So I, you know, I would definitely navigate for Carrie again um in a heartbeat. I think we did such a good job last year that I would definitely love a second chance, a second go around at it. Um now that I wouldn't be such a rookie and I understand a little bit more of um plotting on a map and just using all the skills that I learned this rally as a rookie. Right now, we're trying to gain the attention, actually, of Subaru USA to be a corporate team or just a, a manufacturer team is what they kind of call them. Yeah. Just because, one, it's um, it's it's expensive. Like, it's yeah, definitely something that is not light on your wallet for all understandable reasons. I totally understand why it is so expensive. It's just taking that chunk out is tough. And actually Subaru is still one of the only manufacturers that has never sent a team in all of the eight years of rebel history to compete. And we just think like, Hey, Subaru loves, you know, women, Subaru loves the outdoors. Subaru loves to be like roam wild, roam free, do it while treading lightly. Um, And those are all things that this rally stands for. And so we're, we're just hoping maybe we can get a contact. Have y'all not talking one that? Yeah. Have y'all not been able to talk to anybody? 
So we did. Um, and then there's a huge management shift. Right before we went on this rally, we sent the email to the new person who filled in for that management shift. And they said, yeah, we love to see things like this. We'll definitely follow along. And um, we haven't heard anything since. So we're kind of a little confused because we're like, this is everything that people would think, you know, a Subaru would be a part of. I mean, Honda had three teams there. Hyundai had one. Kia had one um, from the manufacturers themselves. And so we're just kind of like, Subaru's missing out. This is a huge thing. And it's a huge testing ground. It's a proving ground for some of these uh, stock, more stock vehicles to make it through. And so we would love the opportunity to rally in one of them with Subaru Motorsports standing behind us. Uh, but we just haven't found the right person yet. So we're hoping to do it. But, you know, yeah, time's ticking. And like I said, we would be thankful for anything. I think Carrie would definitely not like to be wor- so worried about her car breaking down. But obviously, I, I definitely understand um, potentially not being able to. Uh, I just think it was kind of crazy because we met so many teams from the manufacturers. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're the Toyota team. And, you know, we had the cars were shipped in to LAX and we flew in from all around the country. And we just picked him up and now we're here and me and Carrie are shaking our heads like, yeah, okay, cool. That's awesome. We just <laughs> drove down from, you know, the Pacific Northwest and are in our lovely 2014 Outback that, you know, is not a company vehicle and we will be driving at home kind of thing. Is doing the Rebel Rally as a driver something you would ever be interested in? Definitely. I think, I mean, there's always, and there's always a, a want to try everything, right? Like this opportunity is so unique that I think it would be cool to be a driver. And maybe one year, like there are teams that do like co-driving and co-navigating. So like one day you would be the navigator, the next day you would oh, be the driver kind of thing. Nice. Um, I didn't know it's that. not illegal to switch like that. You can do it however you want. If people okay. are better at driving in the sand dunes than you are, you can say like, today you're going to be the driver and you don't have to distinguish that to anyone. It's it's a free for all and you can just do that. So I think, you know, for maybe one day it would be cool to do that in like maybe more of a forest type setting where I'm a little bit more confident in driving, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, that'd be good. It'd be fun to do just another experience to put under, you know, your, in your life, I guess your life journey and your Subaru journey. (laughs) Yeah. All, All of them, all of the above. Yeah. So how has Rugged Rukru grown or changed over the past, you know, three-ish years? You know, we continue to grow steadily. It's definitely a slow growth. But, um, you know, it's something that I always stand behind. I'm wearing the gear now. I wear the crew gear out all the time. We definitely lacked uh, on group events this year, but we definitely hope to get those back and running. I Like I said, I just work odd days of the week. So it kind of makes it hard to do big group runs that aren't spur of the moment type type things. I think that was probably the biggest change is we used to literally go out all the time. And I think it did have something to do with the pandemic. Uh, we, we More people just had different work schedules and people were just like, yeah, I can, I can do that today. And now it's not, not as much. We have about 5,000 followers, I think via Instagram. And then within our private Facebook group. I think we have about like 600 members members who are local 
or more local to us who would actually be able to come on like, hey, this weekend we're doing a run type thing. Um, so it's definitely growing and it's definitely still reaching. Like I said, I started it. I mean, if people listen to my first episode, I started it literally by myself by randomly messaging other people who are using the hashtags of like Washington, hashtag Subaru, hashtag Pacific Northwest, all those kind of things. Um, so to say that it's reached that many people is uh, a big accomplishment for myself in itself. Yeah. And is, is it still primarily just in Washington or the Pacific Northwest or has it expanded out to other areas as well? Yeah. So it's still primarily in the Pacific Northwest. And even then I would say mainly to Washington. People have asked if I've thought about branching out and I most certainly have. The one thing that I think that I bring myself is kind of that the first building of community that I really stand behind. And so when you start branching out and going to places that I personally cannot be, I just get a little bit worried that people would start associating Rugged Recruit with something that was not its intention in the first place. And so not that I don't trust, you know, maybe those moderators and stuff that I would have in other states. It's just hard to redo what you've done yourself in one. Yeah, very much so. So you're on your second Outback now. And it seems to be that you are really, really enjoying it and, you know, your Subaru journey. And then you said you even thought about getting a WRX. So obviously you're passionate about Subaru and and the community and, of course, Rugged Roo Crew. Uh, but so is it safe to say that you will always own a Subaru? It's definitely safe to say I think I will always have a Subaru in my driveway, whether it be my name or someone who's in my family. I definitely do have my eyes set, though, on another build slash builds mm. um, that aren't Subaru related. But, you know, I definitely I definitely think there will always be some type of some type of CVT engine out there. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess it might be electric, though. Huh? Yeah, the, it could be. With the way be. this world's moving. Yeah. But, yeah, no, no, I definitely I, I do love Subaru. My mom and fiance both drive Subarus of their own. Nice. So I think we'll always be, you know, an all-wheel drive love and family. But yeah, sites are definitely set on um, some bigger builds that yeah, hopefully come to life in, in a few years' time. Yeah. So how has all of this over the past three years changed your life? Oh, gosh. I have found lifelong friends um, and made connections that I don't think would have been possible without the love of my car. Uh, so, you know. Cheers to making an Instagram for a car and randomly messaging people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a weird step. I, I, I'd never been, never thought I'd be one to be like, yeah, I have a Instagram for my car and stickers for my car and, you know, all this stuff, but all that it's brought with it is something that'll live on much longer than car, my cars will. And that's something that I'm grateful for. Um, in, in alone in that. Yeah. I think a lot of us find that too, that we're doing things with these cars that we never thought that we would. And we definitely wouldn't have really thought of with any other car that we own because it's just, there's something about, there's something about just the Subaru itself because a lot of us have this passion for the car in a way that we didn't have a passion for any other car. And then we find out about the community and then we're like, what? <laughs> there's other people out there like me. That's what's going on. And then, and then it just right. like 
you know, it just becomes a big, huge part of your life and, and, and a really, really good part of your life. And one, something that you feel like, I don't want this to ever go away, you know? And then right. again, like I never you said, want it meeting so many people. No, definitely. All the people, all the places I've gone, all the things that I've seen in this car have been amazing to say the least. Yeah, so you do have an event coming up on Saturday, the 27th. It's called Adventure Tire First Aid Tutorial to learn how to repair a puncture tire or slash sidewall at iCamper's Breakfast and Builds in Kent, Washington. Plus, get a free gift with any showroom purchase. So what is that all about? Yeah, so this is a super, super cool uh, opportunity for myself and Carrie iCamper has been an integral player in Carrie and Mai's going to the Rebel this year or last year, and then just our personal camping setups. Uh, so Carrie and I will be at iCamper, um, like you said, which is in Kent, uh, on January 27th, doing a tutorial on patching tires and then just talking about different off-road spares, as you would call it. So whether that's you carrying around a glue treads, carrying around a tire pitch cat, uh, you know, kit, or carrying a full-size spare. We're going to be talking about some of the the pros and cons of all of those, um, whether it be, hey, you don't have enough space for a full-size spare, or, you know, you found most of the t- things you've had, you can just fix with a tire patch kit. Um, we'll just be talking about all of that. So, yeah, iCamper has kindly opened their store, um, and we'll be offering discounts as well as well as out running a coat drive. So they're actually um, doing a coat drive for a local uh, organization out here to bring people who um, need like winter coats. So lightly used or new coats, if you bring them, you can get uh, a discount on purchases at the store while we're there. So um, it should be really cool. Uh, both of our rigs will be there on display with our full iCamper setups out. And we'll just be there answering questions and just just having a good time. So we cannot wait for that. We're super thankful for iCamper in thinking of us and giving us the, that opportunity to do something like that. Yeah, that is a great opportunity and nice for them to, like you said, open up their stores. So what are the hours that they're going to be doing this? Yeah, so let me check. I believe I get there. I'm going to have to be there, I think, 8 a.m. to set up our cars and stuff like that. The actual event runs from, I think, 8.30 to 11.30 is when it's open to the public. And those will kind of be the showroom hours where you can stop by and and see all that. How long does it so take you? Come to, on out. Yeah. Anybody that's listening and you want to check it out, go go see Carrie and Dorothy and their rigs and their iCamper setup. How long does it take you to get it set up? Uh, the eye camper fully or just like yeah. sleepable? No. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. So yeah. Fully. Fully. Yeah. So it'll take us, uh, I would say all in all five minutes Oh, that's from not bad time to park it, pop it open, get the sleeping, like sleeping bags and pillows ready. Boom. Yeah. That's nice. And that may be honestly overestimating that tent. My tent is on like gas struts. So I just have to push it open a little bit after unlocking it. It pops open by itself, grab the ladder, pull it out, and then fold it down, climb up, move the mattress, and then pull out the sleeping bag that can, yes, can, be stored in your closed eye camper. 
Um, oh, so nice. we actually fit a double sleeping bag in the eye camper while it's closed. That's awesome. That's um, convenient. So that's a super, super cool, convenient feature. Yeah. That a lot of people don't realize, but you can fit, you know, if you, if you have small enough pillows and a small enough sleep bag, you probably fit all that up there. Yeah. Less stuff to carry inside the car. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Space saving. That's good. So this is something that I started doing and I wasn't doing it way back in the day episode, you know, in the early episodes, but it's uh get to know the person behind the account a little bit more, but who is Dorothy? I am just a young lady up in the Pacific Northwest trying to live life to the fullest uh, on a budget, of course. And yeah, just having a good time building community wherever I go uh, is mainly how I would explain myself. That's a good explanation. What is a favorite memory from your childhood? Ooh, it's actually so funny. I don't know if this is a, it counts as a memory. But um, my mom says that she knows that I should, like, I had a love for cars um, from a very early age. You know, those, like, little notes that a lot of kids will get sent home with of, like, what did I eat? Like, you know, Dorothy ate yeah. crackers and apples and, you know, milk today or whatever. And I guess usually every single day it would say, Dorothy had a good day. Dorothy spent a lot of the day staring at the traffic going by outside and was really fascinated with the trucks. <laughs> and I always just think to myself, yeah, that should have been an indication that I have a love for cars later on in life. And so I think that's a really funny memory. Um, well, like I said, maybe it's not a memory, um, yeah. but I certainly do remember like uh, standing for the bus and I would like me- remember because like everyone runs in the pattern. Everyone's everyone has a pattern to their day. And so I would look at cars headlights and be like, oh, that car's license plate said this. And I would like quiz myself on that. Wow. Um, and so I think <laughs> I, I just had a fascination for cars at a super, super young age that I don't think I realized until looking back on it now. Yeah. When I'm like super in love with cars and I love everything about the engineering and, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good. So where were you born? Yeah. I was actually born in Vietnam oh. in a small, small province. Yeah. In Vietnam. Wow. And how, when did you come over here? I was adopted at six months old. Okay. So yeah, six months was, I think, I think I came over in November. Okay. Uh, birthdays in May, came over in November and have been here literally ever since. Yeah. And what is it you do for a living? I'm a recreation specialist, so I pretty much get to have fun all day running <laughs> camps and recreation for kids and adults. Is that something that you really, really enjoy? I definitely really, really enjoy it. Uh, sometimes the odd schedule, though, is not something I enjoy. Yeah. So we are trying to figure that out because um, I would like more Saturdays free. Yeah. Now, if you had a dream job that you could work, what would that be? Oh, this is a good one. I My entrepreneurial brain has like always been, it's been run recently. Wild. Uh, but I think... Something that I keep coming back to is um, I would love to have a shop where I can help people install products, not only doing it for them, but also actually teaching them the ways that they can do it and then give advice to people on what products folks should get based on their needs. Yeah, um, that's... And that's something that I really, really would love to do. Just have a little storefront that also has like a couple bays in the back to do the things that we do here in my garage anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just on a more professional scale 
and not just only friends, I think would be awesome. That would be a good shop. That'd be nice because, yeah, it's, you know, something where you can also educate people as well instead of like, hey, let me bring my car in here and then you just do everything. Okay, thanks. You know, it, right. I think it'd be good to, because if there's something that happens and, you know, they're out somewhere and they like, it'd be good for them to know how something was put in or put on or put together so that if something did happen, they can be educated about it and understand how it works and why it works that way. Yeah, no, definitely. I also think it's definitely something that a lot of shops don't do now, uh, but I'm sure more people would love to know about their cars. They're just never given an educational opportunity to learn while they're doing things. And so I think that would be an awesome way to make connection and really give back while also, you know, still charging for shop things. Of course. But, yeah. You know, because it's it's a business. It would be right. It's a business. But I think businesses can still give advice and be like, hey, this is what I would do, that kind of thing. So besides getting out in your Subaru, what other hobbies do you have? Oh, I like to play golf. Oh, nice. I like to go hiking. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the Pacific Northwest has a ton of hiking trails, right? Like a ton of outdoor adventure enthusiast type activities. Um, Golf is kind of really only in the super great warm weather months. (laughs) Yeah. You can play it year round, but it's not lovely. But yeah, I definitely, I actually volunteered last year to be the girls golf coach for my old high school. Oh, um, which was cool. super, super fun. So yeah, golf is definitely one of my one of my hobbies. That's a fun sport. I haven't played it very often, but I enjoyed it when I did play it. It's fun. It can be really relaxing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's nice it being out be on really, the really really <laughs> Yeah, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh so what is something that makes you want to get out of bed every day? Ooh. It might sound really, really like cliche, but just becoming a better version of myself. I'm always wanting to be better, do things better, figure out better ways to do things. And yeah, just really becoming better every day, learning, educating. Yeah. And you got to get out of bed for that. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess you could just like lay in bed and do it all on a, you know, laptop or something. You could. But only certain things, not everything. I was going to say, I mean, I've been recently, I've been going to the gym. Uh, so that you can't really do in bed. No, not really. <laughs> was something maybe you could? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you could get creative. Right. You never know. What's something that makes you want to stay in bed? Oh, my two lovely cats. They're my two baby boys, and um, every time they hear my alarm, they know what that means, and they come up to cuddle to make me not leave. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, don't but my that. alarm means I gotta go. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and so yeah. My little orange baby and my little gray baby. Yeah. What is uh, what would be your best bit of advice to give to someone about anything? Ooh, yep. If you're thinking about doing something you've always wanted to do, just do it. I've met some amazing folks because of the whim I had to make a community where I was. And so it may be scary at first. And a lot of us now joke actually about their first reactions to my messages over the online platform. Because a lot of them are like, who's this Dorothy chick messaging you? <laughs> right? And they're like, I don't know, some girl with a cross track. And they're like, mm, suspicious. Uh, but now, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have family in a group of strangers from all around the world that I love. So just do it. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it is. It can be scary depending on what it is. But sometimes you just you don't know what's going to happen if you decide to start something unless you start something. Exactly, and that's what I did. Yep. I did too. I decided to start a podcast. It wasn't scary. Exactly. I just didn't know what was going to happen with it. <laughs> but it's right? uh, like, got you back on again. Yeah. Hey, I'm back for round two. Yep. All right, Dorothy. So I'm going to ask you the most port- the most important question of this whole interview and episode. But uh, which do you prefer, waffles or pancakes? Mm, okay, good question. Would I would it kill you if I said eggs Benedict? That's not waffles or pancakes. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, but that I, is really yeah. good. Yeah, I'm not like a super big breakfast person. I would have to choose like a good crispy waffle. Okay. If I had to choose between those two. Okay. If not, it's eggs Benny all the way. Yeah, those are good. I've actually had then in a place called Silver Diner in Virginia, I think. They have a really, really good vegan version of Eggs Benedict. And I was, yeah, I'd had it before. And then I was like, oh, this is really good. But I guess if you're going to choose waffles, I guess I have to accept that. Because I'm a pancake. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Are you a pancake? Yeah. yeah. No, no waffles it is for me. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for answering that very most important question that this whole thing that Sierra started and I got to keep it going because, uh, yeah, it's fun and funny. <laughs> so, yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for coming back on for round two and taking the time on a Sunday evening to record. And uh, it was great catching up and learning about what you've learned over the past three years and then also your new build. So congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Love talking to you, love chatting, catching up, and congrats on all that you've done. Thank you. In the past years that we haven't seen each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm hoping to come out there again this summer. My son really wants to come back to Washington and stay longer so that we can go see more places because, yeah, because we came during spring break and there were still yeah. places that were closed off. And so he said, I want to go back in the summer when places are opened up and see yes. more. And the weather's not Yes, so come out cold. when our weather's better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I remember we stood outside eating boba. Yeah, and, and it, it was, was just cold drizzling. and drizzly. Yeah. Right, and it's like, no, no, yeah. don't do that again. Come out, yeah, come out in our nicer weather, for yep. sure. That's the plan. He's got some summer camps that he wants to do, so we're going to try to plan it around that. But, but yeah, it be fun. Well, thanks awesome. again. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Have you. A good night. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, have a good week, and we'll talk to you later. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Subi and You podcast. And thank you for listening to me have a chat with Dorothy again for the second time, coming back to the podcast and sharing her journey since she was on the podcast the first time a little over three years ago. So not only was I, I wanted to get her on, not just because she hadn't been on in like so long, but also because she has a different Subaru now. And so I wanted to hear about that transition and why she switched Subarus, which, of course, we heard about. So thank you all for tuning in. And thank you again, Dorothy, for coming back onto the podcast and sharing your story and sharing your new journey 
and what you've been up to for the past three years. So if you're not doing so already, go give her a fall. It's at Ninja Outback. You can also go follow Rugged Roo Crew, which is Rugged Roo underscore crew on Instagram and see what they are up to. They also have events that are going on. So if you happen to be in the Washington area or the Pacific Northwest and are not too far away from any events that they are planning, then you can check those out and go attend. So just follow Rugged Roo Crew and see what they are going to be up to and what events they may be posting about. So thanks again, Dorothy. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast and tuning in again. And again, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I will put out two parts for my experience and everything that went on with 48 Hours of Tri-State last week. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you all so much. Have a great week, and we will see you next Monday for another episode. Much Subi love, Raph. The Subi New Podcast is hosted by Raphael in a closet in Houston. Produced by Raphael in a room next to the closet in Houston and edited by Raphael on a computer in the room next to the closet in Houston with music by Luke Ruiz in another room in Houston. You can find the Subi and You podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. To support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. Once you join, you will have access to the Discord channel and Discord chats with other patrons. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can find them on Instagram at Podcast, online at subianupodcast.com, or by email, subianupodcast at gmail.com. That's all for this week. Tune in Mondays for new episodes. Subi.